Okay, shh. Okay, before we read the word, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for a couple things tonight. We're going to pray for the uh, Dominican team. Everyone, shh, shh. No more talking till after the Bible study. Unless I ask you questions, but no more talking. Or breathing, or blinking. Actually, keep your eyes open because then you won't be paying attention. But anyway, tonight we're going to pray for the Dominican team because they're coming, I believe they're coming home tomorrow. So we're going to pray for their safety tonight. We're also going to pray for God's word and the message tonight. And we're also going to pray, most importantly, we're going to pray for the Merrick family. How many of you are surfers in this room? Only, wow, Nick, me, and all the way back there. Wow, three. Okay, for those who don't know, okay, does anybody know Kelly Slater? Because it's like a really famous surfer. Okay. Um, Al Merrick is a surfboard shaper, and he shapes boards for Kelly Slater, Rob Machado, a lot of uh, like famous uh, surfers. And his son's name is Britt Merrick, and his daughter is named Daisy, and Daisy is battling cancer for the third time. And I believe she's eight years old. And today they are going to uh, Israel for more advanced chemo treatment, and they will be living there for the next three to four months for uh, Daisy's chemo. So we're going to pray for them. And we're going to pray for Daisy, so why don't we just bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, just, uh, we thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for sending your son down here, Lord, to come on our comfort level, Lord, and just die for us and save us from our sins, Lord. We just pray for the Dominican team right now, God, as they're finishing up their mission trip, Lord. We pray that you would bless them, Lord. Keep them safe, especially as they're traveling back to America, Lord. We pray that... Whatever they learned down there, Lord, and whatever you taught them and spoke to them personally, Lord, we pray that they wouldn't just walk away from what you taught them, Lord. We pray that you just really touch their hearts and as they come home and let them just share the love of Jesus here, Lord. We pray for, uh, we just pray for the message tonight, Lord, that you just uh, bless us, Lord, and just, just please just take away our distractions, Lord, whatever our mind is wandering to, Lord, we pray that you just take that away, Lord, and just help our hearts to just focus on you tonight, Lord. And we also pray, Lord, for the Merrick family, Lord, and we lift, lift up Daisy to you right now, Lord, and as she's battling cancer for the third time, Lord, and we just pray that you just bless their family, comfort them, Lord, and if it's your will, Lord, we just pray that you would uh, heal Daisy, Lord, and we just thank you uh, just for them, Lord, and just for what a testimony they are, Lord, and we pray that you just bless them right now, Lord, and just go before us tonight. Everybody said, amen. So we're going to be in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 8. Okay. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. For those who are taking notes, the title of this message is Trusting God Through Trials. The type of trial we're going to learn tonight is not when somebody has to go to court and face a judge to see if they are innocent of guilt or guilty of a crime they've been accused of. The type of trial we're learning about tonight is an inevitable event in your life that you have no control of. 
for what a trial appears to be is, you know, maybe for, for an example of what a trial appears to be, maybe some of you in this room have somebody that you love is going through cancer or is a sickness that's incurable. Maybe your parents are struggling financially and it's hard for them to pay the bills. Maybe you have a friendship of yours is torn because of a sinful lifestyle they have chosen to live and you are affected by it. In verse 1 it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now look right here, it says, James does not write if you fall into trials, he writes when you fall into trials. So that means sometime in your life you're going to face a trial, you're going to face storms, you're going to face moments of sorrow and grief. And we're supposed to count these hard circumstances joyous. And for some of you in this room are like, well, how can I count it joy when my mom has cancer or my aunt's struggling to pay her bills or, you know, or one of my friends is just giving up on life and they just don't care anymore or somebody is just like walking in sin. How can I count that all joy? And the reason why is God is, allows trials to come to our life to test our faith. And he's not like testing to see if you have faith in him or not. He knows if you have faith in him or not. He just wants to test the faith that you have and let that faith be revealed to yourself and among those around you. Philippians 2 verse 15 says that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in, a midst, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Let our faith be a light to those who are lost that they may become found, guys. Okay. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. As your faith is, be, as your faith is being tested, uh, it produces patience. The word patience in ancient Greek is hupomeno. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. For those who know me, I cannot pronounce words. Like, my girlfriend makes fun of me, like, all the time. It's, it's bad. Like, I just slip up on words. There was this kid when I was in Impact. His, his last name was Snorbush. And... And Snorbo, for some reason, like, I just was bad with last names. I called him Schnorvok. Like, everyone, like, announced him, like, hey, what's up, Snorbush? And I was just always like, yo, Schnorvok, what's up, man? Everyone thought I was a loser. I am a loser for that. But anyway, the word patience in ancient Greek is hupomeno. Hupo means under, and meno means to stay, abide, remain. If anyone's taking notes, how you spell that is H-U-P-O-M-E-N-O. Okay, hopefully I passed the spelling bee. But anyway, so in David Guzik's commentary on the book of James, he paints a picture of the meaning of the word hupomeno. David writes, at its root, it means to remain under. It has a picture of someone under a heavy load and resolutely staying there instead of trying to escape. The word patience is an act of endurance. Okay, for you guys, you can raise your hand. How many of you are watching the Olympics right now? You're not watching the Olympics right now. We're at impact. You guys fell for that. Oh, you guys are bad. No, how many of you guys like watching the Olympics? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you do not like watching the Olympics? Okay, a couple people. My own sister doesn't like watching the Olympics. I'm going to have to have a talk later. Um, for me, I'm more of a Winter Olympics fan than a summer Olympics because I just like to watch the snowboarding in the Winter Olympics and the hockey. Also, for some reason, I like to watch curling. I don't know if that's weird. I don't know if you guys are going to like make fun of me after that, but I just think it's cool. They like take this, I don't even know what it's called. Look, to me, it looks like an iron almost, like, well, the handle. I don't know why. And they just like launch it like this, and they have the other teammates like 
brooming really fast or sweeping really fast. And I was like, this is awesome. But, but after a while, you can get really bored of that because, I don't know, I probably would go insane if I kept watching it, but I still love it for some reason. It's like a love-hate relationship with curling. But <laughs> anyway, we as a country are in the midst of the Olympics. You know, we watch all these great athletes from all around the world participate in this worldwide tournament for the pride of their country. And in the Olympics, there's many events that, many events that involve physical endurance, like swimming, Michael Phelps, cycling, I don't know anybody that cycles, or what's the other one, track, um, me and Richie were talking about this the other day, decathlon, also water polo, water polo takes like a lot of endurance, because they like tread water the whole time, and I was watching them too, they like drown each other, it's like crazy. Like you're playing a game and it's like from a different country and you're like drowning a Canadian. You're just like, ah. hey, ugh. we're going to win. So you guys want to do something funny right now? Okay, I did this with the Igniters on Wednesday. Let's all start chanting USA, ready? USA, USA, USA. Come on louder. USA, USA, USA. Okay. It's okay. When we were in Haiti, I was with John D'Angelo, and we were playing, uh, we were playing soccer against the Haitians, and obviously we, we lost really, really bad. But anytime we got a goal, we would uh, scream like USA, and they're like, these white people are crazy. <laughs> you know, they would make fun of us too in like Creole and French and stuff. It was just bad, but it was fun. But many of these in sports, like they involve like physical endurance. So when we are going through a trial, we should handle that trial. We should endure like, a, like an Olympian. Actually, let me read that over. Let me restart. Hold on, two seconds. Whoop. Okay. We should go through trials like an Olympian. Where am I at? Okay, yes. Oswald Chambers. I love that guy. Any of you guys uh, read My Utmost for Highest? Okay, awesome. Two people. Yes. Well, Oswald Chambers, uh, he's the author of that little devotional book. But he once said, a man may be perfected through suffering or be made worse through suffering. It depends on his disposition. If we allow this storm to destroy us, we lost the whole purpose of this passage. We are not guaranteed that patience will be produced through this trial. It all depends on how we grow through it. And that's why James writes, count it all joy because God is trying to teach us and have patience produced in our life. But if we are already defeated, the only outcome will be a discouraged believer ready to throw in the towel. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Over time, your, pa your patience will grow if you handle a trial the right way. So don't feel discouraged or overwhelmed if you don't have patience or if the trial is kind of like annoying and it's just like making you go crazy. You know, trials are challenging and they, they're meant to stretch us and they stretch us like we've never been stretched before. I know some of you in this room are like, well, I don't even have patience to deal with my little siblings because they keep poking me and saying, I'm not touching you. And I'm like, but they are. And then you're just like, stop. And you're just like, leave me alone. And then they tattle on you for yelling at them because they poked you and were annoying you. It's it's the pains of being like an older sibling. I don't know. But as I was saying up, you know, if we're already, like trials are challenging and they stretch us, 
But if, you know, and I have, and, and they stretch us like we've never been stretched before. I have failed and handled trials the wrong way with a defeated attitude and missed out on what God wanted to teach me. There have been times I went before the Lord and he has brought me through it. Matthew 11 verse 30 says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus doesn't want us to go through trials alone. He simply wants to help bear the weight of our burdens. It is important that we seek him by praying and being in his word. Guys, if we're not in his word and we're not praying and we're not having that time of devotions, guys, you know what that means? We're in the flesh. You know what that means? That we're, well, Guess what we're not in? That means we're not in the spirit. So if we try to go through a trial alone, we're going to fail because we need Jesus. If any of you lacks wisdom, during time of trials, it's crucial that we seek the wisdom from God. If we don't, how are you going to be able to handle a problem? How are you going to meet the needs of someone struggling? How are you going to solve the issues you are facing in the midst of a trial? We need God's wisdom to help guide us through. Now everyone say this, knowledge is raw information. But wisdom is, but wisdom knows how to use it. Okay, let's say it again. Knowledge is raw information. But wisdom knows how to use it. Someone once said that knowledge is the ability to take things apart, but wisdom is the ability to take thing, the ability to put things back together. Many of you in this room have knowledge of the scriptures and have knowledge of somebody that's in need. But do you have the wisdom to act on it? Let him ask of God. If any of us are lacking wisdom, we need to ask God to give us wisdom through these trials. He simply wants to help and generously give us guidance. As a little child falls and scrapes its knee, knee, the child doesn't wait to go run into its mother or father's arms. The child simply runs for the comfort of their parents. We are God's sons and daughters. Why should we wait to go to our Heavenly Father for advice? Now, personally, this is one of my convictions. I believe our generation is an anti-social generation. I don't know if that sounds right. But just hear me out. How many of you guys go hang out with your friends? You hang out with like five of your friends on someone's couch. Good, you hang out with friends. Awesome, cool. Um, Or you go to Starbucks or something, and you guys like have this like one like dull moment, and you're all you're all just like like texting your other friends that are not there. You're like, okay, what's Bob doing? Okay, yeah. But like, you're just kind of like totally like not talking to your friends that are with you and that's kind of weird. You know, are you checking your Facebook constantly and you're just like, oh, let's see what my other friends are doing because we're not with them right now. You know? I, I'm really like, I'm pretty, com- pretty sure that if all of you in this room were all friends and these are all your friends you ever have, I'm pretty sure you would try to go on Facebook and check something because you guys are just that obsessed with Facebook. Nick Espinosa is obsessed with Facebook. Yes, he is. Just kidding. Anyway, but also, too, the thing I also find sad is how many of us are afraid to go to our parents when we, like, did something bad? Okay, most, yeah, because we're afraid of the consequences, right? That's sad, you know, because my dad once said to me, if, if I go to him, like, and tell him what I did, like, he can protect me from my mom. But if... <laughs> But if I don't go and tell him what I did, he can't protect me from my mom. Guys, we need to like, especially if you guys mess up, the best thing is to go to your parents, you know, because like they're your parents for once, or for, well, yeah, they're your parents. And 
um, you know, they're, they like know what's best for you. Some of you in this room like, well, my mom or dad doesn't even know how to use Facebook. How should I go to them for advice? I, I can't answer that question. And I can't answer if they're not hip enough. But, <laughs> you know, they are your parents and they have lived longer than you guys and have gone through being a teenager and gone through life. So you guys should go to your parents. But for us, why should we wait to go to our Heavenly Father for advice? We tend to picture God with a closed fist when we ask for help. But the real picture is Jesus with his arms open wide on the cross saying, I did this for you. God is our perfect father. He will never abandon us or kick us to the curb. He simply wants to have a relationship with every single one of you. This is why James wrote, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Without reproach means there is no limit of how much we can ask of God. If you went before the Lord yesterday and prayed like, okay, God, give me wisdom, and then, okay, the next day comes, you could still pray, God, give me wisdom. There's no, like, limit of how much you can ask of God. This verse should encourage us to always go to Jesus so he can go before us. But let him ask in faith. On whatever our request may be, we should always ask in faith. Let us never doubt God's ability or avidity to grant us wisdom. This is the heart we should have when we are in need of seeking God's wisdom through his word. We need to trust God through trials. If we truly believe that Jesus saved us from eternal life in hell, why can't we trust him with our lives in moments of distress? He holds the whole universe in his hands, and I'm positive that he could take care of my life better than I can. You know, he holds everything together. We should trust him holding our lives together. A double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If we go before the Lord and ask him in doubt that he would be able to help us, we're a double-minded man. In fact, we have no foundation at all, and we are unstable in all our ways. We are no different from the parable of the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Everyone turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. And when you're there, put your uh, finger on your nose, okay, just to make it cool. Matthew 7, verse 24. It's the book after Malachi and the book before Mark. It's the first book in the New Testament. Come on, you guys all have to put your finger on your nose. Come on, it's cool. Everyone's doing it. For those who are not doing it, you're not considered hipsters, okay? So, <laughs> Tech, no, there's no, you're just not a hipster. Okay, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Okay, the difference between a wise man and the foolish man is where they laid their trust in. For a building to withstand a storm, it needs a solid foundation. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Who is the rock? You guys can yell it out if you know. Okay, good, you guys, you're listening. The rock represents Jesus Christ, who is the greatest foundation we could ever put our trust in. So when the wise man put his trust in God, what do you think happened when the storm came? You can scream it out if you know. 
It lived. The house survived. You're right. Okay. Unlike the foolish man who put his trust in the sand when the storm came and it destroyed its house. How, okay, this is a random question. How many of you have ever built a sand castle? Okay, so mo- most of you built, you guys never built a sand castle? That's sad. That is sad. I mean, I, you know, Jesus still loves you though, but that's still sad. Okay. I just wrote a little story about sandcastles. This might be like the worst story you ever heard, but I think it's funny, probably because I wrote it. Okay, you're at the beach all day, and your goal is building the best sandcastle anyone has ever seen. You even build a huge moat surrounding the castle so no water can destroy it, your beloved sand, sand palace. Alas, the end of the day has arrived, and you are caught gazing at the beauty of your masterpiece. Even thinking to yourself that this castle is better than Cinderella's castle in Disney World. All the girls are like, no. <laughs> Nothing's better than Cinderella's castle. All of a sudden, you hear those wretched words, it's time to leave, come from your mother's mouth. As you part ways with your beloved sandcastle, you have high hopes to see it the next day. Praying that your sandcastle has survived while you were gone, as you were on the boardwalk coming up to the spot where you were the day before. And the moment comes where your hope and dreams are crushed. As you see the ruins of your sandcastle, the cause of death was either the high tide that washed your precious sandcastle away, or it was a group of heartless teenagers who have no respect for art and trampled all over it. All of you are evil teenagers, and you need to repent for destroying sandcastles. When I was your age, I never did that. I'm just kidding. I probably did worse. I was the chief of all sandcastle destroyers. Okay, back to a serious note. (laughs) That was a lame story, I'm sorry, but at least I tried. Okay, if we doubt God through these hard circumstances, we are no different than the foolish man, and our spiritual outcome will be no different than his house. We will be left destroyed, unstable, and ready to give up. We need to trust him and learn to let go and let God Now, I'm going to share a real personal story with you guys. And some of you in this room who know me and my family probably know this story, but just bear with me. Uh, About a year ago, me and my brothers were coming home from, you know, a great time of hanging out with friends and family. My my brother just had a graduation party, you know, and it was late. And uh, we were walking through, like, the front door. It's probably, like, 1230. So it was pretty late at our house. And I'm expecting my parents to be asleep sleeping because they're tired and they were help, like making food the whole day so but uh you know as I walked in my dad asked like me and my brothers to sit down and he said you know he told us that my aunt had cancer you know my aunt was like diagnosed with colon cancer and they didn't know what stage of cancer she had at first but after a couple weeks later we found out that she had stage four colon cancer and the cancer spread to her liver actually had, she actually had 14 tumors in her liver. You know, my heart felt heavy for a time, and I was confused, like, why God would allow my aunt to go through this. You know, just to give you a story of my my aunt, like, her and my uncle weren't able to have kids, and, like, that never stopped them from, like, spoiling us. Like, and also, too, when I was, like, growing up, like, my parents, like, were struggling financially because my dad lost his job during 9-11, and he, like, kept juggling jobs and struggled to keep jobs, especially around, like, Christmas time, and there'd be 
times. This was when I was like really little too. And um, they, uh, you know, especially around like Christmas time, like parents didn't like have enough money to even like buy us Christmas presents. But like my aunt and uncle always made sure that we had like Christmas presents like when we were younger, like around the tree. And it wasn't just like a couple presents. My, like my aunt like bought like us like 20,000 million presents every Christmas. So we had to like sell them. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, I always loved like staying at her house because she would let me like get away with so much, like watching movies I wasn't really allowed to watch or eating like enormous amount of junk food, especially like my brother. My brother once, my brother Rob, who's not here tonight, but um, he like ate like so much food one time and like threw up everywhere. I think they ate so much ice cream, but for some reason, just so you guys know, this is a random story, but Rob, like my brother, he's my younger brother, he always like throws up, like he can't. He'll be at, like, McDonald's. It's just, like, a random day. He'll eat a cheeseburger. He'll be like, oh, guys, I don't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to kill me if he ever hears this message. But, uh, you know, and she also, like, let us stay up really late, too. That's probably why my brother threw up, because he was really tired. Anyway, love you, Rob. Um, <laughs> she also, she's the first person I ever took taught me how to have an inside joke. And our inside joke was, um, it was about My Little Pony. And it's a long story. (laughs) Long story. I was a boy, and I was afraid of cooties and stuff. But but what she would do, all you guys need to know, is that she would threaten me by, she would threaten me that she would get for my birthday My Little Ponies. Like, she would threaten me. If I didn't behave, she'd be like, I'm going to get you My Little Ponies, Michael. I'm like, No! That's for girls. <laughs> Don't do it. And actually, one year, too, for Christmas, she actually wrapped my Christmas presents with My Little Pony wrapping paper. This was like, this was like three years ago. I was like a senior in high school or junior in high school. It just for a joke. She's like, ha-ha, I got you. You know, something like that. But, uh, you know, it was really hard for our family and my you know, siblings to see her go through this. The doctors put her on chemo right away. And as months went by, we always like got great results that the cancer levels were lowering and that most of the tumors in her liver disappeared. But the chemo was wearing her out. The doctor said if the chemo worked, she had two years to live, but she didn't make it past six months. It was March, this March, uh, where things took a turn for the worst. Uh, they rushed my aunt to the hospital because her kidneys were failing and they were able to stabilize her, but she was in and out of a comatose state. Eventually, she fell into a coma and only survived three weeks in the hospital. The doctors believed that the cancer had spread to her brain. You know, I never really got to say goodbye to my, my aunt because she, she was, like, in a coma, and, you know, they had her on life support and all that stuff, so it was like she wasn't there. She wasn't my aunt. She was just, you know, in a coma. You know, so it was like really hard to go through the, this, you know, but this was the trial that God put my family through. And even though it was hard, you know, I can still count it joyous because my aunt got saved through this time that she had cancer, you know, and I would go through it again if that meant like somebody in my family or, or even just some random person, you know, got saved through it. And the truth is, guys, that Jesus would have died for only one person in this whole, the whole history of the world. Say if it was just one of you in this room, he would have died on the cross and been, you know, been separated from his father for the very first time because he loves us that much. I'm just going to share with you guys just one of my favorite psalms. 
Psalms 27, verse 13 and 14. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and she shall strengthen your heart, or he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I understand that some of you in this room are going through trials, and like you guys want to give up, or have you lost heart, but I'm telling you guys, it's not worth running away from God, for you'll just find yourself in a deeper pit. We need to call upon Jesus whenever we, whatever we are going through, and he will strengthen our hearts. And in closing, I'm going to share a story from one of my favorite books. And for me to say that about a book is pretty big because I've probably only read like five books ever in my entire life. Just kidding. I'm not telling you the number of books I've ever read in my life. But, um, you know, it, like I never really liked reading books growing up. You know, a lot of people like reading books. I just always like watching the movie. And I would have to like read like I was homeschooled, but my parents like make me like write reports or something for a book. If there was a movie on it, I would watch the movie and be like, oh, yeah, Frodo through the ring and in the volcano, War of the Rings. But um, don't do that, okay? I'm not encouraging you to do that. Um, but, you know, it's a story from the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs. The book has stories of brothers and sisters in Christ that stood for their faith and were executed for their beliefs. It has records of people from the early church from, and from Martin Luther's, Luther's time all the way to Jim Elliot's time. And whoever, if you guys don't know who Jim Elliot is, um, in 1956, a group of Americans like moved out, out to Ecuador, and uh, they were witnessing to the uh, Wadani people. And some of you might have seen The End of the Spear. That movie's based off of their, their story. And there's actually a book called uh, The Gates of Splendor that, that's based off of their time. But this book has people all the way from Jesus' time to like modern time of just like martyrs, of people that died for you know, their faith, you know, and a sto- the story that spoke to me was around the 15th century in England. The, man, the man's name was Thomas Hawker. Thomas Hawker died in England in 1555. He was in prison the day before he was killed, and his friend said to, his friend next to him said, Thomas, I have to ask you a favor. I need to know if what the others say about the grace of God is true. Tomorrow when they burn you at the stake, If the pain is tolerable and your mind is still at peace, lift your hands above your head. Do it right before you die. Thomas, I have to know. Thomas promised he would. The next day, Hawker was bound to the stake and the area was lit on fire. Hawker's skin was burning and his fingers disappeared and he remained motionless. Everyone thought he was dead until all of a sudden his lifted, he lifted his burning hands above his head towards the heavens and clapped three times. The people watching began to cheer and applaud. Hawker's friend's request was answered. You know, what a powerful story, and it's only a paragraph long. Every time I read this, this story, you know, it encourages me, like the Lord encourages me. When a trial has pushed me to my limit, I think of the grace of God in this story. You know, God gives us this peace that surpasses all understanding when we ask for his help, you know, especially in the midst of a trial. You know, I understand that some of you in this room, you know, have, you know, lost heart or you guys are giving up, you know, or you've gone through a trial that has pushed you to your limit and understand that, you know, it's, it is hard, okay? It was hard for me, you know, when I lost my aunt. I was in a pit for a long time, you know, because I just didn't handle the trial the right way. C.S. Lewis once said that it's not about, it's not the load that breaks you down, 
but it's the way you carry it. I think that's how it goes. But, you know, and for me, I didn't handle the trial the right way. I tried to get over all the grief and all the sadness and all the hard, hard time I went through. I tried to get over it on my own, and that's not the way I should have done it. I should have went to God, and, you know, I just fell into a deeper pit when I did that, and I fell into, like, depression and was just upset and just not angry at God. It just, you know, it hurts when you lose somebody. So I know that some of you in this room are going through that. You're going, maybe you're just going through a trial because you don't know if you are going to go to college this, this semester coming up, you know, for those seniors are graduating. Or maybe you're going through something hard, a trial harder than I went through. You know, so we're, well, I'm going to ask Christian to come up right now. And uh, what we're going to do is just, you know, we're going to pray. But before I do that, you know, for somebody, some of you in this room, this might be your first time ever coming to Impact or ever, you know, this might be your first time ever at church. So what we're going to do is, and some of you, you know, what you're thinking right now is you're thinking, okay, when you first came in, you saw these kids worshiping the Lord. And you saw them raising their hands. You're like, wow, they're weird. They're singing weird songs. And then John Latona does announcements. And, you know, he's a little weird, but... I, mean, I love John, but, um, you know, <laughs> but you're th- and then like you're listening to me and you're waiting for me just to shut up. And I understand that because I talk a little too long, but, you know, if you, but still, like you still have this like question in your heart, like, even though these people are weird, you know, they have this love for one another and they have this love for this Jesus, you know, maybe you've doubted God and maybe you've been like, well, I can't, how can I believe in a God that allows death? And the reason why that God allows death and that people die is because sin entered the world when Adam and Eve fell. But if you're questioning God once, you know, whatsoever, I want you guys to just everyone bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you guys want what, you know, all, most of us in this room have, if you want that relationship with Jesus Christ right now, I want you to raise your hand. If you want to be sure when you leave this room tonight and you drive home, and if, if you got in an accident and you died, and you, want to be, you want to be guaranteed that you're going to heaven, you know, and you want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand. Anybody at all? Okay, I see you in the front. I see you in the back. Okay. You know, sometimes it takes a second time for, you know, you know, salvation, our salvation call. You know, I know that some of you in this room are afraid of what people might think. None of us in this room are going to make fun of you if you decide to have a relationship with Jesus Christ or accept him as your Savior. Anybody else? Okay, I see you, in the, see you up here. Okay, what we're all going to do is we're going to all pray together. So nobody feels weird. So we're all going to pray out loud. So everybody repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And without you, I'd be going to hell. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe that you rose again. You know, come into my life right now. Cleanse me of the, my sins. Make me new. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going to do something else. If any of you are going through a trial, I don't care if you stubbed your toe this morning and your trial is that you stubbed your toe, okay, or it might be somebody in your life is sick and you're, you just want to give up or you've been discouraged or you've been pushed to your limit, I want you guys to stand up out of your chair right now. Anybody, anyone's going through a trial. Come on, someone has to be going through trials. Okay, if any of you in this room have doubted God this week, this past month, this summer, this year, last year, and you've been doubting God, I want you guys to stand up as well. 
Okay. And for those that are around these people right now, as Christian plays, I want you guys to pray for these people that are standing up. So people that are right, you're right next to you, just put, I want you guys to make sure that everyone has, you know, at least a hand on the, these people that are standing up. Okay? I want you guys, and you guys are going to pray. Christian's going to play for a little bit, and then I'm going to end this night in prayer, okay? So you guys can pray.